0: I started. it up and down. I remember being a kid. I can see that happening. That's a always something to do. The Unlaced the Unlaced Podcast. It's actually not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we're live. We're back, everyone. The Unlaced Podcast, our third episode of the year. Uh, before we get into this one, I just wanted to wrap up last week, the one with Tommy Sheridan. If you haven't checked that out, please do. It was an absolute awesome ep- episode. Tommy is one of the funniest men alive, and honestly, we um, we had an absolute ball in that episode. But even more so. Uh, We linked up uh, to go watch the Super Bowl final the other day at the Ascot Vale Hotel, which was an absolute ripper, and that's going to be coming out on the Unleashed podcast channels as a vlog, which has got a lot of beer and a lot of laughter involved, as you can imagine. So, um, again, to the subscribers, all the listeners out there, the people sharing this platform, really do appreciate it. It's how we grow, so thank you so much. Um, I've actually been wanting to get this person on for a little bit now because the story around this person is – Maybe slightly different to some of the other stories that we've had on the show in regards to sport and also life, but um, a journey, to say the least, of what this man has been through and, and where he's sort of got to now. So um, with no further introduction, I'd like to introduce Liam Toomey. Thanks, mate. How are you, Jeez. mate?
1: Yeah, I'm good. That's a good intro. It, it was that, pretty, yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I
0: should I should introduce you as almost, well, you're not Paralympian yet, but a para-athlete anyway because yeah. of of the amount of training and and stuff you're putting into, to all your sporting world. But, um, what's been going on, mate? How are you? Like, how's life?
1: Um, Life's pretty good. Life's is strange. Strange. It it feels strange sometimes to be, you know, doing the things I'm doing and living the life I am, but, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked with where I'm at at the moment. And yeah, like you said, life's been interesting (laughs) for lack of a better word. Yeah, I know. I
0: know. Well, it's, it's funny because, um, we actually reconnected and, and for those that, that don't know Minor Liam's relationship. We went to high school together, um, before I moved to the AS in Canberra at the end of year nine. So we are in high school from year seven, eight, nine together, weren't we? Yeah. At, at Corporate Grammar. And, um, oddly we reconnected through a couple messages, but I was doing a 75 day hard challenge, which was involving a couple workouts a day and I was changing them up from running or gym and I tried to do some stuff that wasn't always on my legs. So I started doing swimming. And then out of nowhere, someone put up a video of me swimming and and Liam just saw it and sent me a note (laughs) saying, ah, and if if you want some help, I can improve your stroke.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I probably wouldn't say what you were doing with swimming at that point. um, (laughs) It was a bit of a cheap shot, but uh, in all honesty,
0: the infamous day at GSAC. Yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on that because you gave me about three or four principles around technique to just try and do. And I thought I was a pretty good swimmer. And then once I started trying to do these sort of little techniques with my hands or my shoulders, I started swimming sideways. Yeah. And I thought this, this isn't this isn't going well. Like I don't mm. know. And then you were kind of like looking at me and like, oh, it might be a bit hard here. And then <laughs> I don't know, it just kind of clicked. Yeah. And I started flying. And I was like, okay, wow, you really do actually know your stuff. So. Yeah. Um, Thanks.
1: Thanks. It was actually concerning when you forgot how to swim after I told you to do a few things. I did, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, I thought I'm in a bit of trouble here. This usually isn't how it goes. It usually works. Oh man! Um, it was, um, but it worked out, and it, it was good. Like it, that's it. It's only a few little things sometimes to think about, and it's a massive difference.
0: Well, by the end of it, we were—I was racing people and overtaking yeah. people. Yeah. So, belting whilst old bloke. cramping in my foot. So yeah. I was like, belting old blokes. Yeah. The pool yeah in the belting lane. old blokes and telling them where to go, <laughs> which we love. Now. Right. I do want to touch on your story and why it's unique. And, and we are going to get into obviously the great work you're doing now with all your triathlons, um, and I guess, sort of just your endurance, um, events that you take part in in general, but where, where I sort of came to know you and, and obviously, um, was at the start of year seven was, was probably well after sort of, I guess life took a bit of a turn for you, but it was earlier early on in your life when you, when you came sort of diagnosed with cancer, um, and I guess moved, so you had to get your leg amputated, was it? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I got diagnosed with a Ewing sarcoma, which is like a rare bone cancer in my right foot or right leg, you know, when I was seven in 2001. So, like, yeah, 20 years ago. Wow. And um, yeah, look, I just was hanging around school, felt a bit sore, couldn't really walk right. And my folks, like, that's, yeah, probably need to go get that looked at, mate. And I went and did a few scans and sort of, they kept checking and then, yeah, they found the cancer in my leg from there. Was
0: anything visible or was it just like feeling? Just No, nah, felt...
1: nothing visible. I just had a lot of pain, like putting weight on it and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as a result, I did chemo and spent a lot of time at the Royal Children's more than most kids like to spend at the hospital. Yeah, gosh. And yeah, the result was that I went in for a surgery later that year to have some of my fibula taken out of my left leg and put in my right and just have a bone graft done and get the cancer removed. But. Because of where it was in my leg near my growth plate, I just had to have it amputated um, on the spot sort of for the best bet and the best recovery. And yeah, yeah, I came out a little bit shorter than I (laughs) (laughs) I went in and um, yeah, here we are.
0: Wow, man. What was like, like I can imagine it must have been a pretty tough time in general for everyone, including yourself. But when you're seven years old, did you really comprehend what was happening? Like to the level
1: of obviously, you know, the longevity of of what that action would take and, and what that would mean. Nah, I think I was pretty lucky to be blissfully unaware, you know, seven year olds are pretty resilient and they yeah. just want to go back and hang out with their mates and just get on with things. So it was good in one sense that I was that young, but it was also really tough because everyone else around me had to deal with it and mm. I just had to get back into things and I just wanted, I hated physio, I hated doing all that stuff and I yeah. just wanted to go back to school. I yeah. just want to go kick the footy with my mates and, um, yeah. hated that my leg was sore and didn't fit right and all those little dramas that I had to deal with from there, but, um, yeah, I definitely didn't expect that it would, um, affect me as much as it did when it happened. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: crazy, man. Cause, um, I can imagine for you and, and at that time, sorry, did you, did you always have like a prosthetic leg straight away or what was sort of the process?
1: Yeah, pretty quickly. I was pretty much back walking and sort of running, you know, to a degree within a couple of months, yeah. um, just running around cause you're a kid, kids yeah. just work it out. Yeah. You just, you don't have that awareness around you adjust, your body. You yeah. just work out how to make it work, whether it's right or not. You just work out how to get from A to B really quickly.
0: Wow. And then what was, what was those like initial days, like or initial years, I guess in primary school, like for you?
1: Look, it was actually pretty good. Like I went to a really small, little nice, like safe, secure primary school. And, you know, I was like a God coming back in, in my wheelchair here and there (laughs) when I (laughs) was sick, you know, (laughs) coming back from the dead. And, um, when I went back to school, my mates just treated me like normal. No one treated me any differently. And. That was really the blessing for me that I could just get back into things. Mm. But yeah, it was a little bit of a false sense of security when you moved from that to high school. Yeah. I can Yeah. Imagine.
0: yeah well, cause the, for me and, and we were obviously good friends in, in, in high school, but one of the most notable things when I first met you was, was your leg because yeah. obviously, um, you had like a slight limp. And like you, you're, well, the other thing that was notable was that you're a rap bag as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. Like what's your, what's your memories of those in high school? Cause from the outside and being, being your mate, it it, it didn't seem like they were easy days for you. Yeah. I think whether it was from the people sort of challenging your physical stature or just even for you to sort of
1: integrate in with, with sort yeah. of everyone as well. Yeah. Look, it was actually really difficult looking back on it and probably at the time as well. I didn't want to accept the fact that that was my life, you know, mm-hmm. like I wanted to, feel like everyone else. And I went to this big school and there's 1500 kids and everyone's got both legs and I think, fuck, I'm in a bit of strife here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sticking out a bit here and, um, you know, I just didn't want to accept it. I had one of those legs that sort of had a cover on it. So it looked realistic and Mm. realistically that looks even more out of order than anything else. And, um, yeah, I just found it really challenging to just get physical and like get involved in things. I wanted to just play footy and play yeah. soccer and do whatever and I couldn't. Yeah. No, mainly because I was a little bit chubby and lazy as well. Yeah. That didn't yeah, no, help but... We can't let that slide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but any excuse to blame it on my leg and me feeling different and less than everyone else. You yeah. know? So it definitely had its moments. Yeah. Did was there like,
0: how did you handle that bullying though? Because like for me, I'm I'm being around you. I think we might have we might have I think one of the fights I got in high school was of someone taking the piss out of your leg. Yeah. I don't know if you remember it. It was like when we were in the year eight building and yeah. we were at the taps and someone said something to you and we yeah. just got up and just like that oh, that's that's not right. <laughs> um but like how did you handle that? And and were you you know, in those days were you ever ever able to even handle that, I guess? Look,
1: that doesn't ring like I don't remember that to be honest, because I had a lot of experiences like that. Yeah, well where, I imagine you know, that. I had a lot of that and Like before anyone feels any self-pity for me or sorry for me, like usually I'd started it. So, um, that was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) That was the problem. I was never innocent. I was never innocently, yeah. I was never innocently picked on. I was, I was a prick to be honest, like for the most part. And I dished it out and kids are, kids are cruel. Mm. Kids, that's just how kids are. Everyone wants to, in high school, fit in and feel a part of something. And if anyone attacks that or like threatens it, you do whatever you can to like, Get rid of that person and win, you know? Yeah. So everyone's first attack was on my leg because I snapped at it every time. Mm. I never was able to let it slide. Yeah. And I really held on to it. And it hurt because more so like people call me a cripple and you know, peg leg and pirate and things like that. It hurt more because that's how I thought about myself at that time. Yeah. You know, I really didn't like myself and who I was and my life and my experiences. And then when people said that to me, it just reinforced how I felt about myself. Yeah. And like, I've obviously got a lot of that in hindsight now. I wasn't that aware at the time. I just, you know, I'll just punch him, you know, like get violent, you know, that'll mm-hmm. sort it and it never worked. <laughs> it just made people more wary of dealing with me. Yeah. And I didn't fit into that mold of the school really in my behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Cause
0: did you, did you think like, because you were receiving so much attention, cause I would have, I probably would have said that you were I don't know if you were like you bullied people, but yeah. I wouldn't call you a bully because I don't, I don't think you, yours sort of came from like the, a, an evil place. Like I think yeah. you were just, you were constantly in that light. So it was like, you just f- kind of felt the need to stand up for yourself or make other people feel maybe the same.
1: Yeah. And it was like, it was, it was probably hard for you as well. Exactly. Like it had its moments. Like, to be honest, I hung a lot of shit on my mates as well, you yeah. know, it, it wasn't just people like, <laughs> <laughs> I still give it to a lot of my mates, yeah. you know, like that's just sort of how I am. But when I did that to people that I wasn't friends with, That's not really how it works when you don't know them Mm. (laughs) and people don't enjoy that. And I was pretty relentless. I won't lie. Like I gave it to some kids sometimes (laughs) and (laughs) I, and I feel bad about it. I've had to go back to it and like, look at it because yeah, the behavior was pretty rough and you know, that was me just doing what I needed to do at that point, but, um, yeah, it was pretty like heavy sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, and at this point in time you weren't really playing like competitive sport or anything. Like no. you didn't have sort of an outlet outside of maybe like your school and and social life no. um, from no. memory, because I'm just trying to draw the yeah. sort of the storyline or the timeline for, yeah, for exactly. the listeners. Um, that you kind of weren't really involved in sort of any
1: elite sporting environments at this point. Nah, far from it. I was playing like sea soccer. Um, <laughs> PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. PlayStation. I was doing all the sports that finished quickly. So I moved yeah. from cricket to tennis, yeah. um, you know, basketball, cause it was inside instead of soccer in winter, you know, yeah. anything. I was just lazy as, yeah. and I just wanted it to be over with. And I just didn't think I was physically capable enough. You know, I sort of got to high school and I'm like, oh, I don't really like being in a classroom. I don't really like sport or you know enjoy physical activity just want to do nothing and like be a bit of a rat bag like Mm. my mates and that was it Mm. so how was like did you I mean you got into a bit of
0: trouble in high school but like yeah was sort of the the back end of high school where, where were you sort of at in your own headspace
1: oh I wasn't in a great place to be honest I think I thought I was doing really well you know like my teenage years pretty much resulted with me doing the wrong thing in school and doing the wrong thing outside of school yeah and um I'm pretty obsessive and compulsive, hence the triathlon and sports stuff now, Um, good. but yeah, but you feed that into the wrong stuff. And as a teenager, like I was just reckless, you know, and I love, I love drinking and taking drugs. And that was pretty much, I found that and I'm like, this is, this is sick. You know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. That was my purpose. You know, that was it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna be really good at this. Really and That's good at gonna be that. Drugs and alcohol. Yeah, mad. <laughs> yeah.
0: When did you When did you start taking drugs? Like, well, um, drinking. Like, I assume probably most people in high school when
1: I was there yeah. were, were drinking. Yeah. Geez, it must have been like year nine. Yeah. Year nine. Yeah. So like year Fifteen nine or something. Yeah, fourteen because I was younger for okay. my younger wow. for a year. Yeah, so I was like fourteen. Yeah. And look, I you know wasn't drinking much, a few beers here and there, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. wasted, but um, yeah, I just remember drinking and not caring what anyone thought about me. You know, like really? I had so much thinking going on. Like I clearly, looking back on it, was pretty like anxious and wound up. Yeah. And there was a lot going on because I didn't talk about how I felt. Yeah. But when I drank, I couldn't have cared less. Yeah. You know? I'm like, whatever. Yeah. This is sick. I'm just gonna do this, whatever. And I get roasted by my folks for doing it, and that was it. I just couldn't care. Because didn't you um
0: didn't you have like a which is like a famous, the most famous man ever when you're at court for grammar, Mr. Newton, the, the principal, cause I think he was there for so long. But yeah. didn't you have like a, you had some sort of meeting with him and it was like a final warning, like yeah. you almost almost got, you know, expelled essentially.
1: Yeah. Pretty much. School. Yeah. That was like, as close as I came, I think I must've been year 11 or year 12 and I had a meeting with Mr. Newton in his office with my folks. And I've been suspended a lot, like, uh, like a lot, way yeah. more times but than I think. for what, just like bad behavior? Just in class bad or... behavior and bullying and bits and pieces here and there. And right. because it, because I created like a reputation for myself for being that kind of guy, if I ever did anything, I always copped it, you know, always. Yeah. And that was just how it was. That's how yeah. it is. Yeah. And you know, I n- always brought it on myself, but I was having this meeting with him and he's like, Liam, now just look me, he's look me straight in the eyes and look over my shoulder. Is anyone there? And I'm like, nah, what are you talking about? (laughs) There's no one else here. And he's like, yeah, that's right. This is the end of the line, mate. Like, this is it. And I'm like, looking at my folks like, jeez, I'm in a bit of strife here. (laughs) Because I would never taken it seriously. I'd always like, whatever. Was that the first time the penny dropped, dude, that sort of stuff at school? A little bit, a little bit, like that someone had been that nicely serious with me yeah. because a lot of teachers as well, because I was like a handful and I really didn't give teachers anything. And if I got in trouble, I just was a smart ass on purpose to yeah. just aggravate it. Right. And teachers didn't like that. <clears throat> some really cared about us, like the ru- <laughs> the little rough group we had that mucked her out, Yeah, but some just wanted us out, you know, yeah. which is fair, but yeah. it wasn't a personal attack on them. I just didn't like being at school right. in that sense.
0: Wow. So that if you can, if we can talk post high school, because this for me is where we sort of went different paths cause I was yeah. playing soccer and obviously wasn't living in Melbourne and I'd lo- pretty much lost all contact with you, but yeah. <clears throat> from, from sort of speaking to you, since we've caught up the last few weeks, like I understand that you were having sort of like, um, you know, you were, you were in trouble with the police. You're also like, you know, having trouble with a lot of your relationships at home or with your friendship groups that was sort of, everything was dispensing. Like what, what was that sort of period like? And I guess what sort yeah. of trouble were you, were you getting in at that time? Yeah. Um, so I was an idiot,
1: like like a stage five idiot. Really. It's just
0: getting like worse and worse and yeah, worse. Like with cons- the drugs and alcohol. Considerably
1: well? like I got in trouble. I got, I started getting arrested a lot when I was like probably 15, like, for yeah. just ridiculous, stupid things. Like jumping over the back fence into a nightclub and getting caught with a fake ID and stuff like, that. like ridiculous things, <laughs> 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 like rid- ridiculous. Like, yeah. no, I wasn't any like, yeah, serious person yeah, yeah, just at all. Like, like dumb. Yeah. Real low level, low level dumb stuff. Yeah. And I always got caught. It wasn't fast. I wasn't running very fast. I was (laughs) never getting away from the police if I got chased. And that started happening when I was like 15 and just continued forever. You know, just always something happened. And it always seemed to happen whenever my old man went on holidays. Because he'd always say to me before he went off work for a couple of weeks where he was like, now just don't get in any strife. And I'm like, yeah, I won't. Like, look him in the eyes. Yeah, I won't. And I believed it. But did you actually? Though? I 100% oh, right. believed my best. I believed still like, Still, like, 48 hours later, I'm sitting in a police station, and he's like, what the f- what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. Oh you just God. can't go away, because every time you go away, I get in it's dry. So it was, like, it was like you were just trapped in this space, or energy yeah. was just around you, that you were just attracting. Oh, yeah. I shit. couldn't stop. So what happened was I would drink and take drugs or whatever, and I would just change. You know, like, yeah. my whole behavior and personality would change, and I couldn't care. And Like, I really didn't,
0: how would it change, like, from-
1: Like, I guess I was generally, I thought, pretty, like, happy-go-lucky and having a good time and stuff. But if I took drugs and alcohol sometimes, I could just snap. Because I'd spent so long in my life not dealing with how I felt, like, losing my leg, like, I felt really ripped off, mm-hmm. you know, about life and really, like, like I was a victim. Yeah. So when i drink, I'd get blind and just yeah. get really angry at the world. Yeah. And just get really angry at the world and just lash out yeah. and do stupid things. and. As a result, like I'd always get in trouble for it. Yeah. And that stuff just continued to happen more and more. And when I was older, like my a lot of my mates were doing the same stuff as me, but seemed to not be getting arrested as much or doing stupid things like that. Mm. And like waking up, I'd just wake up all the time and be like, what did I do last night? Yeah. You know, really just blacked out. Yeah. Like do heaps of stuff like that. And it was just a regular, I thought that was how things happened for everyone. Yeah. You know, I knew I did it to excess. But it just continued to happen. And when I did stuff, I couldn't guarantee what I was going to be like, you know, I couldn't guarantee what was going to happen when I went out. Like people were like, you can't come because you are a risk. And oh, it's really? like, So people yeah. would,
0: people would actually just acknowledge, like maybe stay at home because exactly. we a flight risk. Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of the guys at school weren't, weren't happy with my behavior. Like I was, yeah. I did, was reckless and I ruined things and I broke things and like, yeah, I'll go to schoolies and I get told I can't go to the boy's house because they've got a bond that's too expensive and they can't trust me. And it's like, yeah, that stings, but it's true. Like, wow, really? <laughs> and I, and I, like, I hated that, Yeah, that but sucks. it totally made sense. Like, cause I did do heaps of stupid stuff at schoolies as well. Yeah. So like they had every right. Yeah. Mm.
0: So can I just touch on the part where you speak of like, like you obviously felt like a victim and angry at the world. Cause like, obviously in your situation, it's very unique. It sucks. But for you, like, cause I know you do a lot of work now with similar kids in similar positions to what you went through and stuff. Like what, what do you, what's sort of the perspective and the journey you took to, I guess, not have that victim mentality? Like, where do you sort of stand on that now, I guess?
1: Look, I think the biggest thing for me was, yeah, I felt so alone and isolated from it. I didn't want to deal with anyone else that was a kid like me that had a disability or anything like that. I just didn't want to acknowledge it. Mm. Sorry. I just wanted to pretend it wasn't there. Yeah. And when I got older, I sort of realized like, yeah, like I went to uh, like a rehab in Sydney when I was 21, when I tried to get clean and stuff to sort of change my life. And I met a lot of guys there that like had mental health or had domestic violence in their family, or like they used with, used drugs with their parents and had really average lives growing up. And I just remember like, I'd sit in there in these groups and I'd, you know, I'd for a better word, whinge about how ripped off I was that I was missing a leg. And then hear about a bloke whose dad made him use drugs at like a really young age yeah. and I just remember thinking like. Hey, your life, it's not that bad. bad And you don't own feeling sorry for yourself. You know, so many other people have so much else going on. And I just got this massive sense of humility about my life that, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. And I was just willing to accept that to a degree that this is my life and I have to make the most of it. Yeah. Cause me not acknowledging it wasn't helping it at all. Like, yeah, some days I really couldn't care less than I'm missing. Like some days still, I hate, I hate it. Yeah. And I don't enjoy it. And I think it's really important to be upfront about that because when I was younger, I met a lot of guys that were amputees or Paralympians and stuff like that, that came in to meet me at hospitals or when I was older and they were all stoked, they were all like really happy and like loving life and stuff. And I just didn't get it. Yeah. I'm like, mate, I don't get that. That's not me. Like I'm filthy. Yeah, you know, like yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. dirty as about this, this and you're telling yeah. me everything's sweet. Yeah, <laughs> you <Yeah>, were buying <laughs> I'm like, it. I'm like, yeah. nah, something's up here. This isn't. Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah, you know, and that was the big. That's been the biggest thing for me is just acknowledging that that everyone has something. Now, you know? are you
0: that guy that goes in and you're telling them it's all sweet, and they're probably thinking um, the same thing, or do do you still I'm, have your challenges with it?
1: I'm pretty upfront that, you know, I struggled a bit for yeah. a better part of, you know, 15, 20 years you about it. You seem
0: like to me, this is, I mean, I've spoken to you yeah. about
1: this before. You seem like you're in a, like a really good spot. I am. Now. Yeah. I am now cause I've done a lot of work, but I still have average days about it. Yeah. You know, um, when the old lady at the grocery store tells me how amazing I am then I can do my shopping, um, <laughs> pretty filthy. <laughs> 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 like just wish you'd just give me a spell and let yeah, me just yeah, do you, my shopping. Yeah. yeah um, okay. Things like that, little things like uh, that, so that can right, grate In me. her
0: mind, she's trying to give you a nice yeah, compliment. Yeah, it's but nice, it's like making you feel different because yeah, no compliments needed.
1: Yeah, no compliments needing. Like I right. I can do my shopping. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, this isn't that amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Trust me. Like <laughs> yeah. I'd like Agreed. to think I can sometimes do some pretty spectacular yeah, things feel, physically. I'm sure you can. But that which we're gonna go into. Yeah. Thanks. But doing my shopping is not one of them. Yeah. yeah it's pretty low level. Uh, but um that's it. Once, some days I'm great, some days I just get over it. And it's really just dependent on how I wake up on the day, which is like anyone with anything, mm. you know, some days you just don't feel like doing it and you just got to get the job done.
0: Do you think like the recent events with Dylan Orcott, obviously Australian of the year, all that he's, um, succeeded in sport as well. Um, do you think that's going to change the perspective on, I guess, people with disabilities or, you know, para athletes in general with, with what they can actually accomplish and I guess how they can have an impact?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think like. Dylan does a great job already, um, a massive sort of like influence in our community and speaks pretty highly for us and works really hard for us. Mm. So I guess that's the biggest thing is that you can't have a platform to speak on if you don't have the success, especially if you're going to be a para-athlete. Like he's had a lot of success sports wise and then has taken that into other areas. It's pretty hard to create change from being, uh, like, you know, a low level athlete. Mm. You know, it has to come from the top and it has to come from someone that has a platform and he's been able to do that. And he advocates in a way that I think is really important and that perception that just cause you have a disability doesn't mean you're uncool or you, you know, you're a bit different. Like you can, you can be cool, you can wear a nice pair of shoes, you can have a bit of fun. Like you can be just like everyone else despite the disability. Yeah. And I think that's really important cause that's what I think I try and emulate as well, that yeah. it's really doesn't change who I am or I don't need any pity or anything like that. I just yeah. want to go about life like everyone else. Yeah.
0: I understand. I can completely understand that from, I'd be the exact same, I think as well. Um, I think just one of the, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, but you know, one, one is kind of like a, a segue into, I guess, how and why, uh, you know, Liam Toomey has come to this now, but before we get into that was just one, of, I know another sort of experience you had post high school was like, you were taking so much drugs at one point, like you went into psychosis, um, it, how did that happen and I guess how long did that last and yeah. the pitfalls um, of that? Are...
1: Yeah, so that sort of like came and went quite a bit, um, sort of when I was in my early 20s, mm. looking back on it now, like at the time I thought I just, you know, needed a bit more sleep, but looking back on it now, like I was pretty much like that for a, for a while because I was, um, a really dodgy guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> realistically, like, yeah. you know, like I, I ripped off my friends, I lied to my friends, I cheated on people. I was dishonest to my family and my friends. I was totally dishonest in every area of my life about everything I did, you know? And as a result, like I couldn't trust what I did or like I knew that people couldn't trust what I did as well. And when I had mates that, like I had mates that took drugs and did things exactly like me and they used Mm. to say, mate, you can't do that anymore. Like you are like, we can't you keep getting in strife and doing the wrong thing. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Like that's when, you know, you're not in a good spot <laughs> Yeah. and the guy's doing the same thing as you were like, nah, you're way, yeah. too, you're way off, man. Yeah. And yeah, I just fell into this psychosis a couple of times and it's just pretty bad. Like I spent my whole life as a teenager, like trying to be someone else, you yeah. know, like I was like a scared little guy, like physically and like mentally, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. so as a result, I tried to be like a real tough guy and yeah. like, I wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. And when I fell into those sort of episodes, like I couldn't hide how I felt. Like right. I was terrified. Oh, really? I was terrified Fuck. and I just wanted it to stop. So that and, made you vulnerable. Yeah. And I had to be myself and I just couldn't stop what I was doing and my behavior. And I just got <clears> to the point. Yeah. I just woke up from one of those sort of experiences one weekend. And just clicked. And just thought like, I like never this. want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. Like that guilt and shame and remorse and just like embarrassment about my, my behavior, mm. especially in front of my family, um, was really heavy. Mm. And I just woke up and it was like the first time I woke up and felt like that. And I didn't think, you know, I should probably go get on like, that'll make me feel better. Mm. I just thought that could not help the situation at all. Right. Like, and that's pretty much, I've been clean since then. Wow. It's crazy, man. Cause the, yeah, I was worried about you at one point and you're going to
0: know this story cause we've spoken about it so many times, but for the listeners out there, when I, I left high school when I was 15 and then... I signed my first pro contract to Gold Coast when I was 17, but just before I moved up, I was turning 18. And so I was coming back to Melbourne to like have a party. I was like, I want to have a birthday party. It's 18th, but I'm like, I don't really have that many mates here anymore. Cause I've been gone for like three, four years. But then I got really close with Tommy Bug, who's been on the show before. And I think he's going to feature on the show very soon as well. Um, and so we're like, well, he's, he's only been at Caulfield for a few years. He doesn't have too many friends. And no, I don't, so he's like, well, let's just join our 18ths together. So we had this big, like big, big party at, um, you know, at, at this venue near Reva in St Kildo and everyone came from school and like, well, having fun. Everyone was getting drunk. Like well, probably, you know, I hadn't drank, you know, really much up until then. So like, it was kind of my first experience drinking and you can imagine me just coming out of the <laughs> AIS going into a pro, yeah. pro environment and then Whilst we're at the party, the troubled maker at the time, Liam Toomey, found a definite way to make some trouble. And I don't actually know what happened, so I do want you to clarify yeah. this. But from my understanding, I was told that you were selling drugs in the toilet. And all I remember, and I just say, again, I don't know yeah. if that's true, right? But what I do remember, because I visually saw it, was then like three people or two people were like chasing you outside, like ready to, <laughs> ready to punch on. Yeah. And I just remember seeing you like run off. And like, sort of like, I was like, what the fuck just happened there? Cause one of my, one of my mates who is there now is he's, he's actually like in some serious trouble. Um, he's locked up yeah. but he took his top off and was like staunching you. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, like this, that, that's not going to end well. Yeah. But then you just darted off. And I was like, that, that was the last I'd saw of you or heard of you yeah. until I'll touch on the next phase of like, what was like six, seven years later. Yeah. So I don't know what, what happened. Was that Mate, was it look, wrong or accurate?
1: It, 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 I don't. I don't. I can't. I don't think I was actually selling anything. I think I was just using a lot in there. And it's all for me. I think for I just, yeah. I think I just. No. Yeah. I was a, <laughs> I was a pig. I wasn't sharing around. I just. Um. I think I made a few too many trips there, and then right, I got okay. in a bit of strife. And I. Yeah. I did a few random things. Like I think I. I like finished a beer and like threw it across the room and hit Damien Simic in the eye and like gave him a black eye. Oh, wow. And I, I came to Didn't school on that. Monday and he goes, "You you bottled me." And I'm like, oh, no, that wasn't me, man. Everyone's like, no, no, that was definitely you. You just oh, like wow. threw it. And then I think I got into a fight with a bloke at school that I had a bit of grievances with for a while. Right. But that was my thing. Like I, I botched a few 18ths. Like, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, I botched pretty much every 18th I went to yeah, that Yeah, I do. I remember, I yeah. just remember that was like, it stood out to me and I was like, I was, I was like,
0: genuinely worried about you because I was going on yeah. a path where I was about to be a professional athlete. Exactly. So, you know, I wasn't really hanging around too many people yeah. that were doing the things that you were doing at the time. So like for me on the outside, I was like, fuck man, he's like potentially out of control. Yeah. But this is where it gets amazing. And I know we've shed a bit of light on the, on the darkness, but it's because it shows how bright the actual light is. But I actually think, and I'm, when Tommy does come with the show, I want to clarify if we were together, but it would have been, you know, from my 18th, it might've been, what do you reckon when you messaged us? Was it eight or nine years later?
1: Yeah, geez, it would have been like 2016 or 17, probably I got
0: cleaned in 2015. So a couple of years later. Yeah. So maybe five, six years after my 18th. And I've I've got a feeling we were together or he just sent me a screenshot of your message, um, but you sent me and him a message and I've actually learned as life's gone on the past few years when I've connected with more people from Caulfield that I wasn't the only one that got a message, which is interesting, which I want to hear about. But you sent me like a really long detailed message, just like apologizing for yeah. your actions and stuff and like to the point where like i had not didn't give a shit and also yeah. like it was so far gone i'd kind of forgotten about it yeah but for you to do that i was like what it told me was like oh he's making making changes and like i was, I don't know if you remember what i said but i was like Man, it's fucking all good like, yeah completely fine but i was like me and buggy were just like whoa yeah like, that was pretty you know, it was pretty cool of you to do that um, yeah, it
1: was, um, like, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, a big note, it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> no, like that was sort of my experience. Like when I got clean, like, I guess the stuff I did to try and fix how I was or my behavior was, cause a lot of my behavior wasn't acceptable, mm. you know? And I didn't want to just get clean and start a new life and think that like what I did was okay. And a lot of the people I ripped off or like, yes, ruined things for like events and prom- like promos and stuff like that, like... I was mates with mm. and I felt horrible about it at the time, but I just didn't have like the emotional or mental capacity to say like, Hey, sorry. I just couldn't do that at the time. I wasn't able to, I didn't realize. And yeah, like I look back on things like that and think, geez, I did not handle that well. Yeah. You know, like I've made an absolute ass of myself yeah. and that's what I mean. Like you weren't the only, you guys weren't the only ones, especially from Caulfield. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I did at Caulfield, I looked back on and I'm like, yeah. yeah, geez, I wouldn't have liked if people spoke to me like that. Yeah. or did things like that to me, I would have hated that. And I did, because people did do stuff like that. To yeah, yeah, me. So, right. that's right. Yeah. So I think it was really important to acknowledge that my behavior wasn't cool. And I never expected anyone to actually be like, nah, you're, you're all good, mate. That's sweet. Cause yeah. that's not the point. The point was more just me saying like, that wasn't okay. I don't actually agree with that. And I apologize for like any angst or trouble I caused. Cause you don't know how much you affect people. Mm. Like I had a lot of experiences cause I... People from Caulfield weren't the only people I reached out to. Yeah. I had a pretty long list. And (laughs) some people were not happy at all. And some people had carried things for a long time because of how I behaved. Really? And I didn't even, some of them I didn't even think much of, but it meant a lot to them. Yeah. So that's why it was so big to me to bring it back and be like, geez, it wasn't good what I did. And I had to acknowledge that and just see what happened. And it would its great to have a good response from it, yeah—and have a good relationship, especially afterwards. But it yeah. is also not about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. It's more, yeah, yeah. I
0: can I can understand that. So, to touch on sobriety, because what are you now? Six, seven years
1: sober? Yeah, like six and a half, seven in June. Yeah, wow, shout out, bro. Yeah, that's not uh, bad. Not that's massive. Nice. Here I am, over after the uh, Super Bowl. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you're six, seven years. So mate, that is honestly, mate, very proud of you. That's insane. Thank you. Um, when did when did this like? I know you sort of mentioned a few sort of you know the penny drop moments. But yeah. When did it really sort of change for you? Did you start your detox in Melbourne, or was it when yeah. you moved to Sydney?
1: Nah. So look, I went to a couple. I went to a U three hub when I was like nineteen. Um, cause I thought it would helped me with something I was going through at court. I thought it'd just be a good sort of get out of jail free card. And I turned up and I couldn't have cared less. And I really just like went there and just thought, nah, this isn't for me. I'll just do whatever and go back to what I was doing. And I got clean here and I actually got arrested and this police officer actually felt really sorry for me, which is never a good sign. He thought, mate, well, yeah. Yeah. he goes, you're, you're not in a good spot, man. He found me just like wandering around in the middle of like Sandringham in the middle of the day. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know where I was. And, um, he called my folks and kept, they came and picked me up. Like he didn't arrest me because I was just in trouble already. He said, look, mate, if you go to rehab or detox, like, we'll just let it slide. But you need to sort yourself out. because oh, yeah. you're Shout out to that cop. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, I, I thought he was, I, I was hating that he was making me do that. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, man, right. just <clears throat> don't call my folks here. Just, yeah, just arrest us and we'll just sort it out later. Like, I'll sort it out later. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> like just so flippant with my life. And, um. How yeah. many times do you reckon you got arrested? Like, well, I don't know. Um, maybe 10 plus. Yeah, so like a, a decent yeah. amount. Not for anything too. Yeah. Just like, like but enough just, to, enough to stupid stuff. To give all you time. On the wrist. Yeah. All the time. And, um, like what happened was that they, I went to this detox, I got clean. Like I woke up that day and I got clean and I went to the detox like 10 days later and I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Like don't really, not really for me. Mm. You know, I was already sort of clean and thinking, oh, I can just, I could just drink, I could just do this and just do that. And I got there and I just realized like, I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing anymore. Like I was so over it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like, at that point, all my good mates had dropped me like, yeah. because of my behavior, you know? And I just realized like, I didn't really have anyone around anymore. Like yeah. there was no fun. I wasn't <laughs> going to nightclubs. I wasn't going out. I wasn't doing anything fun. It was just like using at a house with people and driving around all the time. Yeah. It was pretty grim. Yeah, And there was no fun to it. And I didn't like the people I hung around with. And I went to this detox and I just sort of felt like relief, yeah. <laughs> which I hadn't felt for a while. And I just went to like a, they took us to like a NA meeting, like or whatever. And I met a bloke there that I used to use with and I thought he was hopeless. I so thought what, he was,
0: what were you, were you using like heroin or were you using like... Nah.
1: Nah, so that was pretty much like one of the like only things I didn't use. Like yeah. what sort of brought me unstuck realistically was using ice. Like, ice, okay. Yeah, like very quickly, like not, doesn't have to be for a long time for me, but I sort of, yeah, change ice and pills and stuff just turn yeah. me into a bit of a monster. Yeah. And well, I just want to do bad. people. Yeah, like most yeah. people. I just want to do bad things. Yeah. And like it just changes my personality so quickly. Yeah. And I just have no control over when I stop. Once I start, I don't know when I'm going to stop with that stuff. Right. And so
0: you're in this AA meeting and you meet a guy yeah. that you are using me. Yeah. No way.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's happened a few times to be honest. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. It's happened a few times. And, um, yeah, I met him and I used to think he was a bit of a drop kick, to be honest. Like I yeah. thought this bloke's never going to, he's useless. <coughs> he's never going to get clean. And he was cleaner than I was. And he was sort of happy and healthy. And I just thought, man, like if this bloke can do it, like how can I not do it? Yeah. Like I've got to be able to do this. Yeah. And... At, the, at that point in time, were you actually
0: wanting to be clean though? Or were you just doing it to kind of tick boxes, get, stay out yeah. of trouble, maybe just fix a few things or were yeah. you actually trying to get clean?
1: I don't think I actually gauged that I was going to stay clean for that long yeah. or like for, at all. Cause when I went to that detox, I was the youngest one by like a couple of years. Yeah. And most people were in their mid forties and, you know, had a whole life behind them. And I was 21 and young and angry and really did not think it was for me. And I was very like volatile in there Mm. because I just brought all my behavior in with me and yeah, I just sort of hung around and was like, I'm just not going to use, you know, like I got in a few situations where I could have used and I just didn't want to, and the options were there. And I sort of, I was actually terrified of using Mm. because I hadn't had a good few experiences the last couple of weeks and I just didn't want to have to do that again and again, Yeah, it was just tiring. Yeah, All right. that's
0: crazy. So uh, were you, have you made the moves, like just off the story you're saying, are you in Sydney at this point or is this, is this sort of a next phase? Cause I, I know you said you went and lived in Sydney, yeah. like pretty much with no clue what you were doing, yeah. you just went and changed your much. environment.
1: Yeah. So I did the detox and the detox was like, Hey mate, look, so <coughs> this is only a four week program. You probably need a few more weeks. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Like I was this great place up in Sydney. It's really good. You know, really easy to get into. It's long term. You'll be there like 12 months, you know, easy us. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, all right, whatever. Cause at the at that time I didn't want to go home and just sit at home and do nothing. Cause I knew like being that bored, I was going to go back to what I was doing probably. Yeah. So I just sort of legged it, you know, like I hung around for a bit and then I just legged it up there and I got there and I got picked up like the place called like We Help Ourselves. So like it's run by the... People that are there, like there's staff members, but it's pretty much run by all the people that are living there, right? So, I'm like sitting out the front of Central Station in Sydney, like mm. across from the dental hospital. And these two two old fellas come and pick me up in a druggie buggy and just like, Come on, mate, get in, we'll take you there. And I'm like, Geez, this isn't what I expected. Oh my God. <laughs> I've just gone from, from a really nice sort of detox in East Malvern, where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> private detox to in a East Malvern, up van. Yeah, yeah, to a banged up van with a couple of old fellas, like, Come on, mate, just get in, we'll sort <laughs> you out. And I'm like, All right. Oh. And I get there and I'm just like, yeah, no, nah, this isn't for me. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And it was just like a men's house that I stayed in. So there's like right. 35 of us. Wow. Yeah. Pretty loose. And, um, you know, most of it, cause it's public, like guys come straight from re- uh, jail or off the street or drug court and just like wanting to get clean. So it's a mixed bag of what you get Wow. and I actually really liked it. <laughs> yeah. Was it good? Yeah. For me, I found rehab to actually be a very fun experience. Like just from the social aspect and connecting
0: with other people or just like having, having like, you know, you're not going to get into the same trouble. Yeah. No,
1: you can definitely get in the same trouble there. Well, when you said public, I was like, does that, does that stop it? Um, no, not at all. Like where I was at was actually like, it's called like harm minimization. So it means that they have like fit fit packs in the bathroom if you want to use and stuff like that. So obviously they're not wanting you to, and you do drug tests and stuff like that, but they were pretty keen to just like look after you and people come in, like they've used like an hour ago and they'll come in yeah. and they're staying and you've got to look after them and stuff like that. Right, and, okay. um, it was pretty interesting what goes on, <laughs> yeah. it's, but I liked it because I didn't have to worry about anything else. I just had to stay there and not take drugs and not do anything to get myself punted wow. and everything else would take care of itself. Like we looked after ourselves and cooked and ate and cleaned the house and did all these things that I'd never done. Cause I was just yeah. like inherently lazy <laughs> and just like self-entitled. And then they tell me that I have to make my bed like an army style bed, or I have to write a page about discipline, you know, later that night, a whole A4 page about oh, yeah. discipline as punishment. And that was like the thing. You get in trouble, you write yourself up. Okay. So like you just do everything. You don't, you I just, don't want to do that. No, nah, just, <laughs> just do everything properly from yeah. then on out so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so how long were you at that clinic for? Um, so it, I, were you in Sydney for for a while? Yeah, you? But I, were you always at the rehab place? No, nah, so of... I
1: stayed there for like twelve months. Like they had like three separate houses, like an intensive one for like three months then a four months and a halfway house, and then like an exit house in Redfern. And I was living in the house in Redfern, and one of my mates, who was up there, was living in this place in Bondi and it was really sweet. And I'm like, how you got this gig? <laughs> and it ended up being like youth accommodation for like under 25s. Mm. And all you had to do to stay there was sort of pretty much be like, um, looking to study or work, you know, and not having anywhere to go. And I was up there and I reached out to them and got my own place and I started living in Bondi as well. And it was, wow. um. Yeah. Big shift. <laughs> yeah. Big shift. from you managed to
0: stay sober in Bondi. Yeah. That's yeah, a, I know, right? That's a win. For a couple of years. That's a huge win. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was just such a like amazing like experience. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. beautiful place, beautiful people. And like I found myself I was doing really cool work up there and like teaching kids to swim and like really involved like with where I was living. So it was an awesome experience and I pretty much just had the Bondi unemployment tan, like I sat at the beach yeah. all day, didn't do much else. And like people wondered, "How? I wonder what that guy does. Like, does he work? Like, how does he live here? He's living the dream a yeah, Pretty much.
0: So at this point in time, have you started to make the connection to sport, triathlons, swimming, like where, is this, is this when this sort of connection starts to be built there and you start to yeah. have sort of a vehicle to push yourself into I guess
1: yeah a little bit it sort more sort of more so started when I was at the rehab actually because they take us for exercise obviously a couple of days a week and they used to do a lot of walking and I used to have heaps of pain with my leg at that point mm. so a couple of the other guys that had sort of injuries <laughs> would always go to the pool and I was like, oh yeah get me on that I'll go to that and I just remember getting in the pool and for me the biggest thing about like getting in the pool was realizing that Like I had to take my leg off in public, which realistically I hadn't done like my whole life. Yeah. You know, I'd been so self-absorbed about it. I hadn't done it. I got to this pool and I realized I had to take it off to get in and I took it off and jumped in and I just felt amazing. Like, oh, really? like I felt so freeing for me, like physically and mentally to jump in and do that, wow. that I just couldn't have cared less. I felt like I was swimming like so well and so nicely. And I was not at all. Like I was, yeah, yeah. yeah dream- your mind was yeah. free, but I was actually free of my own, like self-absorption of like what I thought and what other people thought. Cause realistically no one at the pool gave a stuff. No one's paying any attention to me really mm. for the most part. And I was able to do it and just enjoy what I was doing. And I just thought like, this is sick, like, I want to do this, you know? And I just started swimming pretty obsessively when I could at the pool. And that's when I sort of just thought, you know what, like, how hard could this Paralympic thing be? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just, why well, not? Why not me? Why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Like, I'm here, I'm clean, <clears throat> I'm living in the middle of like Roselle at the moment, at the time, I'm thinking my life has not turned out at any way how I thought, Yeah. you know, why can't I do this, Yeah. you know, and, Turns out it's actually really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. My uncle <laughs> yeah. said something
0: to me once. It always stuck, stuck out to me. He goes, oh, because <clears throat> he was telling his mate, he's like, because my, my uncle was, he played like in the reserves of Blackburn Rovers in the English Premier League. So he'd never quite made it, but he was like, yeah. as close as you can get to playing the best league in the world. And he was telling his friend, he's like, he was pointing at me. He's like, no, he, he actually wants it. He wants to make it. And then his friend goes, well, someone has to. Yeah. And it always stuck out to me. So It's like, yeah, it's true. Someone's got to make it. So exactly. why can't it be you? Yeah. But so when did you when did you start sort of getting into the like competitive events and like getting a name for yourself and starting to have yeah. sort of the brand and stuff that you built now? Because yeah. the reason why I asked that as well is <clears throat> when me and Buggy got those texts from you after like was it five six years after our eighteenth, I was like fuck Liam Toomey like what's he doing now? I went on your page your Instagram page and like my my jaw dropped because <laughs> yeah. you I think at that point in time you might have. I think it was 2018, you know, because I think Maybe. you'd just done a triathlon. Yeah. Like you'd done a triathlon or something. So I was like, what the hell? Like you could, like you'd absolutely destroy me on a fitness, fitness basis. <laughs> yeah. it, was in, it was insane. So yeah. When did like the event stuff start happening?
1: Yeah. So I started trying to do swimming first off cause I hadn't really done much of the other stuff and swimming wasn't really for me. Like I didn't like racing in a pool. I found it really boring and it wasn't enjoyable <clears> and. To be honest, for what I wanted to do to go to the Paralympics, like it wasn't going to be an option. Like I just, Mm. I rated myself (laughs) to a degree or thought, you know, why not? But sometimes you got to realize that there is a capability that I may not have in that capacity. Mm. And I just got involved. I met this bloke who'd been to the Paralympics in Rio and he was a leg amp like me and he was like, oh man, you got to do triathlon. Like you're built to do tri, you're not built to be a swimmer, like you're small and like lean, like you need to do triathlon, you'll be fine. Come do this one with me in a couple of weeks, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Like I've well, never, you,
0: and you, you hadn't done one before, actually. nah. Like
1: at this point, I'd really never run in my life much, apart from playing sport here and there. Wow. Um, I didn't have a running leg. I'd never run five k. I didn't own so a bike. What's
0: a, what's a triathlon for? So what I do
1: para- for to try and go for the, the Paralympics. Stage is like a sprint distance triathlon. Okay. So it's a 750 meter ocean swim or lake swim or whatever. Yeah. Um, a 20 kilometer bike ride and a five kilometer run. Oh, yeah.
0: It's not easy. Nah. It's, My a,
1: God. it's a stinger. So is that, was that, is that just for the Paralympic
0: level? Is that yeah. different for the other events that maybe you've competed in um, or is it similar? As yeah, no. So that's standard. always the
1: same. That's sort okay. of the standard. Yeah. That's what I would do. So yeah. that's
0: what you, that's what this bloke was asking yeah, me to like, do. Yeah,
1: come do that, man.
0: Like that's 700 meters swim in the, like open water. That's like, yeah, that could be 2Ks on a bad day. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, you could exactly. swim on the spot with the swell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'd been doing a bit of swimming at that point. So I thought, oh, this would be all right. But I'd never really swum in the open water or anything like that. I just swum in a pool. And yeah, I wasn't keen on doing it because I'd had a few people say that sort of stuff. Like, just come do it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I will. I'll get around to it. You know, yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And he just sent me the link and it's like, you have to sign this now to do this if you want to come and race with us. And I'm like... All right, man. Like I'll do it. Geez, stop like wow. harassing me <laughs> <laughs> and I signed, up. I signed up and I had to start training from then sort of, and just look after myself and do a few things here and there. And like, I had no idea what I was doing and I turned up to the race and it was in St Kilda and it had like pissed down all weekend. So oh, they no. canceled the swim and said, oh yeah, we're going to run more. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. you're kidding. It was
0: like, did you swim, swim it's, you're strong? Yeah, you're much pretty strong? much.
1: At that point, I'd never really run. I'd never run 5K straight. But how you, would you have swam in open water by then or ocean? Nah, but I still would have preferred that to running more, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah and, yeah. um, you know, I lined up with these guys and like, we all sprinted out and I'm sprinting out. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm on fire here. Like I'm on, I'm killing it, <laughs> killing it. And I got to my bike and I was like, oh geez, like we had to run two and a half K at the start. And I just sprinted it and I just spent the next hour or so just like groveling. Just like, oh. oh, this is not a good, I did not pace this at all. You know, wow. cause I wasn't fit. I had no idea what I was doing. I just like excited. Yeah. And like, I was so blissfully unaware when I started triathlon, you know? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I just had no idea, you know, like I honestly turned up to that race and I had a few mates there and stuff and one of my mates goes, look, it's not a big deal. Like when we're walking down to the start line, it's not a big deal, but your race suits on backwards.
0: <laughs> the, it's not a big deal. That's yeah, the not, funny part.
1: it's Not a big deal. Oh, it's a
0: massive deal. Because you said deal. it's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. So were you
0: like were you obviously nervous at this point? Oh, or sh- like what? Just yeah,
1: shitting myself. Shitting yourself. Yeah. Shitting myself about having to do this and like so overwhelmed by it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get told. Mate, you've got your you absolute plonker. You've uh, got your suit on backwards. you time to change it? Yeah, luckily. Thank okay, God. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have lived that one down. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Probably that. won't live it down. None of the publicly <laughs> shared it as well. But like that was it. Like no clue. Yeah. But I did the race and I got through it and I actually enjoyed it. Despite how painful it was physically to get through it, I enjoyed the experience way more than swimming. Really and right. I enjoyed the community and the people around it because they were actually welcoming and enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this is all right. You know, like, I, I'm going to get used to this, you know, mm-hmm. and that's sort of just how it went from there. I've just sort of gone like crazy into it from there. Yeah. So
0: you've, so from that experience, you've continually sort of started training, doing more events. Yeah. Um, and then how did you sort of get recognized to be sort of, you know, in contention to, to be sort of going to the Paralympics? Cause I yeah. know you've done some traveling with athletes that are aiming to go there or that have been there.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, so I did that, that first race I did was like a para sort of Oceana race. So there was people there that were involved with like triathlon Australia and whatever, and then I got sort of, um, categorized from there, I guess. So like, so I got yeah put on the team to a degree and was able to go race internationally and. I, that first year in 2018, went to Canada and did a couple races overseas internationally, which was like an amazing experience wow. for someone who six months ago had never done anything. Yeah. And to be honest, I got flogged.
0: <laughs> and yeah, but at this point in time, it's like the fact that you're there doing these things and yeah. when you could be you know, locked, locked in a dark house using exactly, ice, it's like, it's pretty amazing the yeah. trajectory and change you've made.
1: Yeah. When I'm sitting in this little quaint town in, um, Quebec. Yeah. yeah to, where they I'm speak to, French. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah thinking. This is not my life. <laughs> this is pretty sweet. It's unbelievable, Yeah. Man. So that was the coolest thing, I guess. That things happened really quickly for me in that in that space. But also, I just was so stoked about it that I wasn't really too fussed about the results. But I went over there and I got smashed by everyone that I raised. Yeah, and I thought I don't want to feel like this anymore. Like so, I want,
0: to. like so. You, in your mind, that was like a, a motivation to get better.
1: Exactly, and I wasn't really training properly at that time. I was just doing my own thing and still trying to live in Bondi and have all the good things. Mm. And I, you, sometimes, you know, like you moved as well. You understand, like you have to move or you have to go to where's better for you for mm. your career. And for me, it was to move back to Melbourne and join a squad here. And like, it's been the best thing I've done. Like i I miss Sydney, but it's been so good to come back and yeah. actually join and train in a proper like high performance squad.
0: Really? So there's yeah. like a high, so there's a crew of you that are doing what bike, swimming and running like collectively. Yeah. Yeah, the week so or whatever.
1: on my group, like a low tick triathlon, so pretty much like athletes, like elite athletes trying to go to either the Paralympics or the Olympics. Realistically, that's sort of what you're going for and okay. that's it. So we do that and most of the guys train full time and do other things on the side and yeah, it's a good environment to be in, to be honest. Like it's been great for me. Mm. I've like loved it, you know, yeah. so it's cool.
0: It's pretty, um, pretty surreal. Like not just your trajectory into sort of, I guess, triathlons, but how quickly you've accelerated like performance as well. Cause it was yeah. it 2019 you qualified for the world championships. Yeah. Which is, and, and what you came just outside of the top 10.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Which so, is um,
0: pretty surreal. If you just ran your first one on, or, you know, still there wasn't a swimming leg, but running yeah. a bike the first one a year before. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that happened pretty quick. That was pretty cool. I, um, went overseas that year as well. I went over, my squad goes over to Spain, usually in, uh, Aussie winter, which is a good way to get out of here when it's cold and went over there and I sort of had one race planned and didn't know what else was going to happen. And I just lucked out and got another couple races and I turned up and just had belters, you know, like I had good races for myself and qualified and got selected. And just to be there, like I was so stoked, you know, mm-hmm. cause that hadn't been my experience at all. And I got injured as well pretty early on cause my body's so like fresh to sport. Mm-hmm. So I've had to deal with niggles quite, quite regularly and I'm there racing and I'm like in Lausanne in Switzerland racing. And I just think this is sick. That's like a get yourself moment, isn't it?
0: Like I'm at the world championships.
1: Exactly. Like I'm racing like the best guys in the world and like I'm actually having fun doing it. Cause when I started racing, I was like petrified about the whole experience, you know, like I'm packing it because I know I'm going to like be in the hurt locker for an hour and I'm not fit and I'm not ready for it. But when I got to that big race, I just was like, this is, this is awesome. I've oh, really, like, I love, I love this. Wow. Yeah. But like, is,
0: do you reckon that's because of you put in the work to to get to that point, or were you just had a you just refreshed
1: and just wanted to do it as opposed to feared I think, it? I think I was just so grateful to have that experience and to be where I was and realize that I've had a lot of pretty heavy, I guess, heavy moments in my life, and that was a pretty good moment and experience for me in week or weekend or whatever how long it was, and I just realized like this is it, like, just go for it. Like, I have nothing to lose. There's no expectation on me to go out to win, but there's like every opportunity for me to just put in my best and see how I can race. Wow. And I just raced my heart out really. And I wasn't fit enough to race as well as I would have liked, but I came out of it and like did well, you know, for yeah. myself, for where I was at and against my competition, I did well. That's So insane. that was really cool for me to realize like, oh, you're actually not... You're not, you're not a total packer at this point. Well, aren't, like, you like, okay. aren't you in the
0: top 20 of the world or something?
1: Yeah. At the moment, I think I'm like 19th. Yeah. I haven't raced in a while. So 19th is a little bit. Co- like, is that probably COVID though? Wouldn't it be? COVID and injury and a few things. Like I haven't raced internationally for better part of two years really. Wow. Um, which is pretty annoying. So hopefully get stuck into a bit of that this year. But yeah, that's the plan. Like for me to make the Paralympics, I have to be in the top 10. Um, in the last 12 months, sort of leading up to... So it's top 10 globally, not just like nationally. Yeah. Well, top 10 in each classification, because obviously okay. there's different classifications. Like I race guys missing a leg below the knee or their whole arm uh, okay. and that sort of levels it out a bit. And yeah. then there's obviously like a vision impaired class, yeah. um, a wheelchair class and then other sort of physical impairments. So yeah. there's probably maybe 70 to a hundred people all racing in the same day, like staggered through the morning or afternoon or whatever but they're all racing similar disabilities. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's hard to watch. It's hard to know what's going on. If you don't, yeah. <laughs> if you don't actually follow it properly, it's hard to follow and see who's racing who and who's ahead and whatever, but it, we know, like yeah, you, yeah. you can yeah, tell yeah. when you're racing, who you're <clears throat> racing against. Yeah, um, yeah. so that's the biggest thing, like getting that top 10.
0: Well, you had the, uh, the pain of just missing out on the Paralympics just gone, but What's the sort of goal now? Is it to look to sort of, what's it, is it Paris the next one? Or Yeah. Is
1: that is that sort of where all your energy and focus is going to be going into to try and get there now? Or Pretty much. Pretty much. So that's my plan. So Tokyo was always going to be a long shot because I started the sport so late and halfway through a cycle and everything like that. So I gave it everything to try and get into there, but it didn't happen. And, you know, that sucks, but it was great to watch my mates there and I had a couple of teammates there. And then to obviously qualify for Paris is the main goal. Like that sort of. I've been in the sport for a while but at that point yeah. I'm sort of I'll be 30 it'll be sort of prime time and I'd like to think that I'm because i am so fresh to the sport I have a long time left in yeah, it Yeah Um and it is triathlon you know you can be a little bit older which yeah. works well Yeah definitely <laughs> which works very well but that's the plan like I I love what I do like most of the time like 85% of the time I love getting to do this every day Yeah and the experiences I have so I'm just going to give it a run until I'm too old or no good, really. Your story, honestly, man, is
0: it's unbelievable, honestly.
1: And it's why I was so keen, those listening, you can
0: see why I was so keen to share Liam's story because of the trajectory of where he's going now, from where he was and the experiences we had as kids. Obviously our friendship is, um, you know, it's, it's great to be able to talk about it so transparently on your behalf as well. So I really appreciate it, but, um man, incredible, like, honestly, you're a, you're an inspiration to many Thank people. You. You're, you're like an ambassador for about 15 different brands, <laughs> like you're doing all this work, giving back yeah. to, you know, to people, you know, um, you know, the, I guess, children with disabilities as well, that have probably yeah. gone through similar experiences you know, via school or, you know, sport, whatever it may be. And you've got a whole bunch of awards as well, like from the AIS and the Dylan Orcott foundation where yeah. you've been recognized as like for what you're doing
1: as well. So man, yeah. pretty, uh, pretty surreal. It very, it very much is. And it's funny, it, all those things have worked because I've had that, I guess, um, hard experiences in life. Um, people relate. People, I think people really resonate with a tough story and experience because they think, how do you get through that? Mm. And for me, I don't feel that as much because it's my experience. I just think oh, I'm just average Joe Blower, you know, what, yeah. what else would I have done? Yeah. And, um, I've taken the long way of getting here to where I am. And it's really cool to be able to. Yeah. Do that stuff and give back. And like speaking at schools for me is like baffling, you know? <laughs> yeah, it <baffles> me too. <laughs> <laughs> like given my history at school yeah, and my behavior gets overlooked, at school. Doesn't it now? Yeah. Uh, and like when I go and speak to schools and kids are. To doing, be fair
0: though, that probably makes sense for why you'd be so powerful to them because of yeah
1: what you were like. Well, it's hard. I think sometimes it's hard for them to gauge when I turn up that it's like, yeah, I actually wasn't really happy go lucky at school yeah. when really into this and into all the positivity and gratitude and stuff. Like <laughs> I just wanted to like rip on the people. So like yeah. that was, um, yeah, it's cool. Like it's a really cool life to have. Mate, Liam
0: Toomey. Well, thank you for coming on the show, man, for sh- sharing your story. It's unbelievable. We'll definitely be watching you over the upcoming years of the, the events. And i am got no doubt in my mind, if you keep going the way you're going, we'll see you in Paris, brother. So.
1: Mate, thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. good. you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers bro.